Hello, New York Giants fans. I'm Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, usually joined by co-host Pat Trainer, but uh, Pat is not with us this week, uh, taking a, a few days of, of R&R here during the summer. have a, a special guest with us today, though, uh, Matt Williamson of Locked On NFL and Williamson Football, here to talk some Giants, talk some NFL at large. So, uh, Matt, uh, how are you today? Thanks for coming. I am, I am fantastic. It's good to talk to you. How's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm sitting here in our, in our, our summer place up in the Adirondacks, where it's, it's ah. supposed to be cooler than it is in the rest of the universe, but it's still swelteringly hot. I mean, you know, amazingly enough. So. Yeah, here in Pittsburgh, we had like a 94 degree day yesterday, and at least we had a big pool party, so the kids had a fun time. But it was sweltering like you said yeah i spent a lot of time near the water it is certainly not football weather (laughs) so so matt let's uh let's talk a little bit uh we'll talk a little giants uh, and we'll talk a little nfl at large uh been kind of uh you know i look at the the giants off season as having been a pretty productive one i thought you know their spring was good i I liked what they what they did in the draft. Um, you know, there's still some holes on the roster to me. I, I kind of liked what they did in free agency. When you you know, as a as a general question, have you liked what they have done uh, with the new regime with Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer? Have you liked what they've done uh, since the end of the 2017 disaster? Yes. But I think Giants fans are going to have to show some patience, though, too. I mean, not that it's a total rebuild, but to bring in, you know, sort of a more of a Panthers way of doing things is going to take a little time. You know, I mean, like a small example is any Giants fan that's out there knows that the Giants have ignored the second level of their defense more than any team in the league. Well, the Panthers are the total opposite, and we saw an un-Giants characteristic move going and trading for Ogletree. And that's a small example, but it's going to take a little time to implement the philosophy. Um, I'm actually more worried about the defense than I am the offense, but I do like a lot of the moves they made. I guess the overriding question, though, and I know we'll probably go down this road, but if you are going to be in, quote, rebuild mode and you're changing how you do things, is taking a running back at two the smart move. And I have mixed feelings about that. I love, love the player. And I do think Eli has more in the tank, and we'll talk about specifics, I'm sure. And maybe they just didn't love a quarterback there. If Carson Wentz was sitting there, maybe they would have taken him. You know, So I think there's more to the story of than a lot of people have just said, should have taken a quarterback at two. Well, it's funny because, you know, I also – I'm with you in that sense in, in having mixed feelings. I think that that they took a wonderful player who, you know, if they were going to go all in on Eli Manning, you know, that they took a wonderful player who's probably going to have a, a phenomenal career. You know, but but this is for me it's a choice that's always going to be second guessed. It's always going to be debated especially since you had the New York Jets picking at three who took the guy that, that the Giants probably 
you know, would have taken had they taken a quarterback, you know, that being Sam Darnold. Right. You know, and of course the other problem is that, that you took a player who the, the NFL at large and analytics and, and common NFL wisdom tells you that the value of the running back you know, doesn't equal the number two pick. So I think, in my view, they took a wonderful player who will help them, but did they make the best decision? I don't think we know the answer to that for, for years down the road. I don't know how you look at it. Yeah, I'm, I mostly agree with that, too. And the key to me that makes it much, much more palatable to me is Barkley is just so good in the passing game. You know, if that would have been Leonard Fournette, you know, who's really a 1980s type of running back, then that's not a good pick, you know, and especially for the Giants, you know. But speaking of Fournette, you know, do you think Jacksonville, Dallas, the Rams, the Panthers, all these teams that used very early picks on running backs the last couple years, do you think any of them are upset with their choice? I mean, I think basically the answer is no. But then there's also a little bit of a flip side to that, you know, that Fournette really fits the Jaguars' persona, you know, that they do want to play 1980s football on that side of the ball because they're quarterback. And I could also make the argument, as great as Elliott has been for the Cowboys, and he's been the foundation of their offense, and we see what they're like without him, maybe they should have taken Jalen Ramsey. Well, you know, when when it comes to the Cowboys, I might agree with you because – you know, for me, with Dallas back at that point in time, the thing that you that you pointed at was the fact that they had they didn't have a defense, and they particularly right. you know needed help in the secondary. And to be honest, with the offensive line that they had, and I think there's there's maybe been a little bit of a downgrade in that offensive line over the last couple of years. But for me. You know, you get an adequate running back, you know, behind that offensive line, and you're going to run the football well. You know, but but you have to cover somebody too. And so for me, you know, it, it was sort of the typical Jerry Jones move. But for Dallas, I didn't think it was the right move. You know, for the Giants, if you're going to go all in on Eli, I did find it interesting. You know, that that the first thing Pat Shermer talked about, and the thing he's talked about most. Is kind of what you hinted at is is Barkley's ability in the passing game, not as much in the running game. Although they'll obviously utilize that, I think that's what really uh, stole you know Pat Shermer on on taking Barkley. Hundred percent agree. And the thing that I keep saying about the Giants' offense, and I've been critical of Eli the last couple of years, saying he's clearly a declining player, but. I think he's very smart. I think he's very good at the line of scrimmage. He's much tougher and, uh, you know, intellectual than people realize. I mean, I think his brother gets all the credit for being the smart one at the line of scrimmage, but Eli is every bit, you know, basically the same guy in that regard. And who I've been comparing him to is John Stockton. You know, like, I want him to run this offense like a point guard, that, and he's got four scores on the court with him, you know, that – you forget about a guy like Sterling Shepard, but if she's always going to be single covered now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, my audience can forget that Odell wasn't there for half the year last year. I mean, or for more than for a huge portion of the year, and that's you know, how would have Atlanta been without Julio? How would the Steelers have been without AB? 
And Engram really stepped up, and I think he's very much for real. He, too, is going to see a ton of single coverage. I just think when you have those four weapons on the field and whoever else you decide to add, you know, Barkley, Engram, Shepard, Odell, someone or two people are going to have phenomenal matchups, and Eli is always going to find them. You know, he's just come to the line of scrimmage, get it out quick, let those guys work. I I agree with that, and I'm glad to hear you say that because one of the things that I've been harping on all offseason is Eli's work at the line of scrimmage, and exactly that. He's always going to have, you know, with those four players on the field, um, you know, and whoever else is out there, he's always going to have a favorable matchup with a good, capable receiver somewhere. Not only that, he's going to have the running option as well, and it's always been my my theory that that some of his best work is done at the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, that for me is is why I feel good about it. And I just see, you know, I saw him throw this spring, and and he he looked really good, you know, throwing the ball this spring. Of course, who knows what he's going to look like throwing the ball in December, um, you know. But I I think I think he can still play, but. I also think that whether or not um, the Giants, you know, deciding to pass on the quarterback at two is still an open debate, no matter how good Barkley is, simply because now you have to find out, you know, in my view, whether, uh, you know, either Davis Webb or Kyle Lawletta can be that guy down the line um, or... You're always going to have that, you know. If Sam Darnold turns into a star, um, you know, then then there will always be a segment of people who look at that as a mistake. So I guess what I would ask you is, when you look at, you know, as far as what you know of the two young quarterbacks that the Giants have, do you think that out of those two, do you think, you know, one will emerge? long-term as a, a capable, you know, NFL starter who won't leave the Giants in, in what uh, what Dave Gettleman always calls quarterback hell? My bet is no. You know, uh, I didn't think Laletta would last as long in the draft as he did, and I, I probably like him more than Webb. I was not super high on Webb coming out of college. But I guess it depends what you ask these guys to do as well. You know, like, Let's take it back a step. For those that don't know, my audience does. I'm not sure that your audience does knows this. But Ben McAdoo and I were graduate assistants on the same staff at Pitt way back when. And, and I consider Ben a friend, and I was rooting for him. But that offense, and it comes from Green Bay, and this is what's been happening to Rodgers in his career, and this is a McCarthy-type deal, a lot of that offense is predicated on Making some difficult throws, get, you know, a lot of one-on-one matchups, not scheming things up like the Rams do. It's more, you know, we're going to, you don't win by scheme as much as you win by personnel. And when you lose Odell, now you're just, you know, it, it can't work. You know, the, 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 you don't have guys that are winning one-on-one matchups. And now if you win more by scheme, like we saw Goff, you know, doing his second year, like I think Trubisky will be asked to do. You know, a lot of different movement and scheme and a lot of moving parts in terms of versatile pass catchers now that I think Eli can play longer now, too, you know, and under those circumstances as opposed to 
drop back, hit your back foot on a five-step drop, and drive it into a tight window. You know, I mean, if you ask him to do, you know, lesser, you know, physical things and more mental things, you might get an extra year or two out of him. And I'd say this because I think Webb is more the McAdoo quarterback, you know, the big-arm guy that was asked to do, you know, what Ben was running, where I think Loletta can be more the manager at the line of scrimmage guy. And that's if both hit, of course, and I don't know if they will, and they'll both get tons of preseason reps, I'm sure, and I'll watch a lot of that. But at least there's options there. It's not like the cupboard's totally bare. You know, it's interesting. I didn't. I didn't know that you had that you had worked with Ben and that you had that kind of relationship with Ben. But it's interesting the the way that you framed it because there was at a, at a point in time last year. Um, obviously, the Giants struggled all year, but I do remember Ben being asked about the offense, and as you said, you were talking about you know, the offense being predicated on, on making some, some difficult throws. And my thought always, at one point last year, Ben said, well, you know, there's no defense for the perfect throw. And the, the counterpoint to that was you simply can't ask your quarterback to make the perfect throw all the time. You have to give him some options. Because that goes back to why Aaron Rodgers is so unbelievably great. Because right. he does make the perfect throw and makes right. his coaches look so good, but there's only one of him. Right. And he also makes a lot of those plays with his legs, which is something that Eli was never going to be able to do. Which is especially important considering the Giants' line is far from perfect and buying right. time and, and was, extending that was plays. The other thing I never understood with the Giants the last few years. Um, and I don't know if uh, if you would agree with me, even going back to last year, I thought they were a year too late in really addressing that offensive line and maybe going out and getting the left tackle and 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 uh, you know and moving Eric Flowers to the right side and and you know upgrading the middle a little bit. So I thought they were a year late. It's interesting because this time last year, I almost get tired of saying it, but I said it over and over, and my whole audience will be like, oh, I remember you saying that, Williamson, that I said there were two teams that I was really interested to see what happened to them, and that was the Giants and the Bengals. And my reasoning for it was, yeah, our offensive line's really bad, and in the Bengals' case, they just lost Zeitler and Whitworth, but we're going to kind of ignore it, and we're going to draft John Ross and Joe Mixon and Evan Ingram, and we're going to be... You know, we're going to put more athletes on the field, and because there's such a shortage of offensive linemen in the league, we're not going to overpay or overdraft those guys. We're going to take the best athletes and put them on the field. Well, those were two of the worst offenses in the league last year. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. so I, I kind of think we figured out the you know case in point there. And like I said earlier, the Giants would be a lot different if Odell was on the field. But that being said. Yeah, I mean, you can't just ignore the offensive line position. I mean, we saw it in spades with those two teams. No, you can't. Matt, let's, let me ask you, you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you were actually more concerned about the, the Giants' defense than, uh, than the offense. And that's interesting to me, again, because 
that also, you know, coincides with with a viewpoint that I've kind of come to share as well. Um, you know, I'm incredibly optimistic. I love the hiring of James Betcher by the Giants, although it does mean, you know, that they have to change schemes to, you know, to the 3-4, which is kind of just a base, you know, because he, he's so multiple, he changes the look so much. But when I look at that team, I have two questions. You know, where is the pass rush going to come from? And in the secondary, who's going to cover anybody if if either Janoris Jenkins or Eli Apple happens to get hurt or, or not have a, a good season? I just have more questions uh, about the, the playmaking ability on, on that side of the ball. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, going back to Becher, you know, his history is a Todd Bowles, Cardinals-like approach. And those guys want Revis, Patrick Peterson. We saw the Jets this year go and invest in corners, more so than pass rushers. You know, if you can only have one or the other, they want to spend their money on coverage players because they blitz a ton. You know, that makes perfect sense. You know, the Cardinals have been a very blitz-heavy team without super dynamic edge rushers at times, although they, they, Chandler Jones changed that. So I kind of get it, but I don't think the secondary is good enough to pull that off. And I really like Jenkins. I really like Collins. But like you said, the depth is really questionable there. I would think we'll see Collins more on the second level than ever, probably next to Ogletree, and maybe blitzing quite a bit himself. But I don't see the pass rush. I mean, to me... Your defensive tackles are exceptional run stuffers. And in a way, you know, you, you change, like, kind of like we said to begin with, you're, you're changing philosophies on this team, and Rome's not built in the day. There's a lot of square pegs trying to be put in round holes on the defensive side of the ball. Right. You know, one of those square pegs is Olivier Vernon being asked to play linebacker, where in the end, I think he'll do pretty well standing up. He's He's got the athleticism. I've seen him stand up before. You know, but teams are still going to find ways to to expose him in coverage and uh, to expose B.J. Goodson in coverage. So, yeah, so it, it's it's just not possible to fix every hole and to, and to, uh, and, and to get the ideal personnel that you want you know, in one off season. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line is, I mean, maybe you the argument can be made, well, then maybe you should have traded down from the second pick and accumulated a bunch of picks and threw a lot more things at the fan hoping they would stick. And maybe, but you got to get star powers too. And, you, you know, the Barkley pick obviously makes Eli's life much easier and it might extend his career. That was something I wanted to mention when we were talking offense. But back to Vernon real quick. He's going to be called a linebacker, but he's not going to back the line. You know, I mean, he's still going to play on the line of scrimmage, maybe from a two-point stance now more than he did. I'd be shocked if they drop him into coverage a whole lot. I mean, I think he'll be their Chandler Jones, who's listed as an outside linebacker, but he's not running with tight ends on the field very often. And in today's NFL, you're basically in a four-man front, you know, two-thirds of the time anyways in nickel and you know, sub-package football situations. So his role will change, but I don't think it's going to be drastic. And I think they'd be really foolish to drop him into coverage much at all because he's their best pass rusher, and where else is the pass rusher going to come from? 
Yeah, that's the question, and he's not exactly, you know, Vernon I, I look at as a good pass rusher, but he's not a, a dynamic right. 17, 18 stack a year guy. He's just a good effort kind of pass rusher. They just don't have that one guy, and, and you know, as, as you talked about, um, you know, the Cardinals and, and did it this way. When you scheme pass pressure, you open holes in other places, and, and that's what the Giants are going to have to do. Right, and that's a risky way to live. You know, I mean, I could see, you know, going back to some good things we said about the offense, I could see a lot of high-scoring games this year, you know, and Eli throwing a high percentage and the defense blowing a coverage or two or, you know, corners losing one-on-one situations to Alshon Jeffrey or, whoever, you know, whoever, whoever's on the schedule. Because even though you're scheming pressure, you know, that sounds great, but your guys aren't necessarily great blitzers. You know, they're not super active in terms of defensive tackles for stunts and twists and things like that, too. So, yeah, I do think the defense is very worrisome. And one other note on Vernon I just want to throw out there, and I'm sure you've mentioned it to your listeners, too, but one thing, and, and this isn't the new Toshi staff's fault, but I never quite understood why the Giants – played Pierre, Paul, and Vernon such a high number of snaps. Like, never rotate these guys in, and I think it kind of cuts down on their life expectancy a little bit. Oh, I would agree, and, you know, that is one thing that Dave Gettleman talked about a lot you know, during the off season. He talked a lot about the fact that in Carolina, you know, they generally had an eight-man rotation. Right. You know where they, you know, bringing guys in and out. He talked about the the disadvantages of of playing guys as many snaps as as the Giants' defensive ends did the last couple of years. You know, we never understood that either. We used to ask uh, Ben about that. We used to ask Steve Spagnolo about that. And and I think that the God's honest truth was I think they just didn't feel very good about the guys coming in behind them. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious, I would imagine. Yeah, and and I I think I would hope, you know, the Giants have brought in a lot of guys this year. B.J. Hill they drafted in the third round. They brought in Josh Morrow. Uh, they still have Kerry Wynn. Uh, they brought in A.J. Francis. And you know, none of none of these guys, with the possible exception of B.J. Hill, if he turns into being a really good player, none of those guys is going to set the world on fire. But you know, if if they can give you some snaps, it certainly uh, it, it certainly helps. Yeah, Morrow is a really good example too because he is very familiar with the scheme, tough guy, and he's kind of like that baseball pitcher that doesn't have a great ERA, but he eats up innings for you. You know, I mean, he's going to play snaps. He's not going to kill you. He's not going to end up on the highlight film very often. Coaches will like him. He's had a you know a long stable career. He's tough. He's smart. And like you said, that, that they haven't had a lot of those type of guys for to, to rotate in for twenty snaps a game. Matt, you know we had we had intended to uh, to talk a little bit about the about the NFL at large, but I think we've we've spent a good bit of time talking Giants and covering uh, quite a few topics. I think at this point we'll probably go ahead and let you go. Why don't you uh, tell the folks a little bit about uh, about where they can find you and about the new website that you launched? 
And, uh, Absolutely, and, and we should probably do this again then maybe before camp, and we'll get together and do another joint podcast between the Locked On NFL and Locked On Giants. And I'm at Williamson NFL. Um, if, you ha- if you aren't listening to the Locked On NFL podcast, I urge you to do so. It's a national version of the you know, kind of the flagship. And I did start a website two months or so ago, WilliamsonFootball.com, and I'm pumping out a lot of content for that as well. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go bookmark that uh, as as soon as as soon as we get done here. And I appreciate your taking some time. And and we will definitely talk again uh, during training camp or, or the preseason. All right, fantastic. Lot, this was fun.